This is the Horse Radio Network. Hey there, this is Lesson 12 of the Equine Clicker 101 podcast on the Horse Radio Network. Reaching the Rescue, Untouchable, or Abused Horse. Equine Clicker 101 is a podcast that takes you to the class to learn and practice clicker training for your horse. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. And they're awesome. They are Jeffers Equine and Cavalier Feed. This is Shauna Karish, and in today's episode, what we're going to do is we're going to discuss something that's kind of near and dear to my heart. It's reaching the rescue, the untouchable, or abused horse. This is a really important topic, and utilizing the positive reinforcement and different methods really is a great way to help bring them about, to build their confidence, and to let them kind of let us know how comfortable they are, and they make it pretty clear. It's also a way we can help address some of the emotions behind the rescue. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that and the, the rescue horse. One of the things that people ask me all the time is where do I buy clickers or targets or feed buckets or side buckets or stick clickers or whatever it might be? Well, you can find those on my website, which is www.on-target-training.com. So it's on target training with those two hyphens in between there. Um, and then for all the other needs that you might have, you can go to Jeffers Equine. They have, gr it's a family run company with lots of great specials and they have something called Frugal Friday where they have a lot of specials. So look out for those sales. So let's hear a word from our sponsors, Jeffers Equine. Located in Dothan, Alabama, Jeffers was founded in 1975 by Dr. Keith Jeffers in order to provide local livestock owners with a reliable and more cost-efficient source for their supplies. Fast forward 40 plus years and today, Jeffers has become a trusted source for equine, pet, and livestock supplies all across the United States, but they've not lost sight of the personal service that got them started all those years ago. You can still visit the Jeffers store in Dothan, or you can shop online at jefferspet.com, where you will find an astounding array of products for your equine habit, from quality tack, English and Western, to the supplies and healthcare products that you have come to depend on, as well as new and innovative lines to help your horse be his or her best. Visit them today at jefferspet.com. Okay, it's lecture time. Now, there's a lot to talk about when we talk about the the rescue horse, which usually they are either untouchable or they're abused and have hard histories. Sometimes they're just a little troubled or, or they're physical issues. But we're going to talk about how do we get that horse? How do we earn their trust really is the biggest thing. And one of the things that people do, and this is so common for people to do, is they want to reach out and they want to they want to touch them because their whole thing is trying to touch them. But the best thing you can actually do that I found, and keep in mind with the marine mammals, we also had horses that not not horses, but sea lions, for example, that were beachies. They were little baby guys that were beached, and now they can't be returned to the wild because they were 
they were hand raised essentially to save their lives. You know, they would have died. And so I've dealt with a lot of these untouchables and they want to bite you, <laughs> you know, so how do we earn their trust? It's, it's really the same. I learned a lot of these skills with the marine mammals and we use positive reinforcement to help build and change the emotions that are a part of it. So when you think about, you have really kind of two categories typically that are the extreme categories because, and, and you can always use the methods for somewhere in between, but we tend to have ones that are either the untouchable or we have the horse who is aggressive. So there's a lot of untouchable horses that have been so fearful that they've become dangerous, that they've become uh, where they have learned, I think I'm going to die. So I must, I must take care of you first. You know, it's really in a lot of horses, aggression has really come from fear. So the, in that situation, you really want to recognize what that is. And I always say, there's not a bad horse out there. I do not think there is a bad horse out there. They are doing what has worked for them. That's all there is to it. So for those aggressive horses, now, sure, they might, might want to take your head off and kill you, but they're not being bad. They're doing what has served them, what has helped them to survive, what has worked for them. So, and, and, and it's same with the untouchable. They are just so fearful, but they've learned to flee. They, but some horses have been trapped and they've been put in a situation where they couldn't flee. And that's where they have oftentimes learned to turn on their, on their, their, their handle or the person that's there. So if we can recognize it and, and look at it as this is just what they've learned to do. There's something that um, I utilize a lot. Now, this is one of those technical terms called differential reinforcement of an incompatible behavior. Well, that sounds like a big confusing thing, but, it, but it's teaching them to do something incompatible, making it more reinforcing than the current behavior. So a horse who wants to turn and kick you, if I can get them to touch a target and dead and find that more reinforcing than the turning to kick you pretty soon their choice will be to touch the target as opposed to turning to kick you so in the beginning the horse that wants to turn and kick me has a lot of weight on the side of the scale that says yep kick them so that to them has been very reinforced it has lots of weight there it has really been a very useful tool i come along and go well that's going to kill me so i want something different so what else could i teach him that he can't do one or the other so he can't do one and the other he has to choose so then holding on the target up by the front becomes can become a better tool then a better reinforcement history, it becomes their new choice because this one serves them better than, than turning and kicking the human. I hope that makes sense. So if, or if they're a horse that wants to bite, I might teach them to go to the back to touch a target. So there's different things we can do to create a behavior that is incompatible with the undesirable behavior. But in any case, both of these situations started out of fear. One of the things that is so important that I don't think everybody realizes with the marine mammals, we use positive reinforcement, one of the biggest benefits, and only positive reinforcement. There's no pressure and release. There's no halters. There's no lead ropes. Everything is their choice. And they get all their food each and every day, no matter what they do or do not do. They get all their social interactions every day, regardless of what they do or don't do. So our job is to make it a fun thing for them to do. But in that situation, you need to help them kind of build a new reinforcement history. You need to make it worth their while. You have to build that trust and build that, 
that reinforcement history. So that's what we're going to kind of start to do with these horses is try to turn this around. One of the best ways to do that is to have them at liberty. So if they are not at liberty and they're fearful, a lot of times they feel trapped in what they're going to do, or, or even sometimes a round pen is too small. And they can feel if you've displaced them by moving them and moving them and moving them, even without ropes and halters, a lot of times our presence is so aversive, we can move them around. And that can be very, very scary for a horse. And we may think, gosh, it's nothing. It's nothing at all. I'm just a person here with nothing in my hands. But to them, we have to realize and recognize this is their sincere fear. And they think they may die. And whether we just say it's a jacket on the fence, it's just me standing here, to them, it is their reality. And we need to respect that and and help them to get past this. We've chosen for them to live in this world. They didn't choose this world. So if we've made this choice that you're going to be a horse that's going to live in this human world, then we it's our job, I feel like, to serve them and help them to understand and make it clear and help them to be quite successful and well-adapted in this world. And to me... That, that is a big onus, but it's, I really look to that emotional well-being. I want them to feel comfortable with their world. And any horse who's terrified of a human in their world, I can't imagine what it's like every time we come to feed them. You know, it's just, oh my gosh, here comes that scary person. What, pray tell, are they going to do? So I really want to help to change that. So working them at liberty and giving them choice is very, 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 very valuable. And, and I know that one of the things we want to do is touch them, but until they do not find us aversive anymore, every touch we do is just reinforcing the scariness. They're still scared, but they're tolerating it as opposed to, to liking it. So one of the things I set out to do with a horse who is, finds humans aversive, whether, you know, it's abuse or feral or whatever, it doesn't really matter. The result's the same is I want to start to build a better reinforcement history with the person. Now, how can we do that? One of, what's one of the fastest ways to get to your horse to start to change their mind and change their, their perception? And it is feeding time. That's a time we're using a positive reinforcement using a primary reinforcement. It's something they need to survive. We need to make it readily available, not hold it over their heads, but we can use that time when they are eating that our presence can be part of their world. Now, one of the trickiest parts of this is recognizing threshold. So recognizing threshold, it is trying to figure out where does it go from, I'm aware of your environment, of you and my environment, till I'm kind of worried about you in environment. That's the threshold we're going to talk about because there are different thresholds. There's fear threshold, there's excitement threshold, but we're dr really addressing the fear threshold in this situation. So I want to, if I go in with a bucket of food and the second I go in, that horse raises its head and kind of its eyes get big, that tells me that horse is over threshold. So what I'm going to do in the beginning is just set that food, you know, over in the corner of this little arena or whatever, and let them get used to every time it's eating time, that person is here. This is a way that we actually begin the classic conditioning process. That person is just here every time I eat. And pretty soon that person's a little bit closer and a little bit closer. Pretty soon they're not worried about the person because the person hasn't really done anything. And they've gotten a lot of reinforcement for this. So this is really a patience game. This is something I encourage you to take the time and really allow your horse, your horse, the horse to go at their own pace. 
And I think this is, this cannot be stressed enough how important it is. Some horses, sometimes when horses have been fearful, when they decide that it's safe, they fly to the other side. They're like, oh, okay, we're good. And some horses are very suspicious and it can take bit by 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 bit. But I want to really, really tell you one of the best things you can do is not try to do anything to your horse at that time. When that horse, and this was a little, a little thing I came up with. It was a little, uh, pony zebra cross that was, um, is untouchable. She, and if you sat with the food bowl near her at a place where she could eat comfortable enough that she didn't feel like she had to dart every time she ate, she would eat and keep her eye on you. And that was good enough. That's a good place to start where she can kind of eat, but she's going to keep an eye on you until slowly you can bring it you know, maybe a few inches closer and a few inches closer. This may take a week. It may take two weeks, may take three weeks. It may take a day. It doesn't really matter. Just go slow enough. So, but what this little gal did, what she did is she would, every time she ate, she pulled the bowl further away so that she could get that bowl further and further from me. So what I did is I took some bailing twine and I tied it around the bowl. <laughs> so it was, she couldn't pull it further away. But then eventually what I could do is the next day I could pull it in a couple inches. And then a couple inches. And then a couple inches. So eventually you have it where the bowl is really close to you. But again, they're going to tell you that. If they start darting away and snatching food, they are definitely way over threshold. So make this eating food being part of your rehabilitation for them and building that classic conditioning in a very inert way. And oftentimes I'm going to tell you, I typically sit on the ground. Now, if I have a horse who's aggressive, I'm not going to sit on the ground in there. I'm going to sit on the ground out right outside the fence. But so I am in protected contact and that can do a lot for the horse. It does a lot for me because I'm safe. I'm out of their reach, but it does a lot for the horse too. Because sometimes having the human on the outside of the fence creates a lot more comfort. You know, they've had their bad experiences when the human is inside the fence. So sometimes it's for us, sometimes it's for them. But if the, if I feel like the horse is comfortable enough, I will sit on the ground. I sit on the ground, Indian style, relaxed over in the corner. And usually the ones that are untouchable, they'd flee. As long as they have a place to go, they will flee before they're going to come to get you. But you got you to gotta gauge that and take that into account for your own assessment and I'm not there to help you. So it's up to you to kind of make that, that call. And if you have any doubts, you be on the outside first. So then eventually what I'll do is I'll get that bowl closer to me and closer to me and it can be hay. It can be hay pellets. It can be grain. It could be whatever your horse can eat safely eat and likes. And then I get it till it's closer, 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 closer until they're eating with the bowl right up against my legs and they don't care. They eat just relaxed and confident. They're not looking at me. They're not jumping. We don't have something called trigger stacking going on. So trigger stacking is like, okay, they're frightened. They're worried. It's like when you're watching a scary movie. So you're watching a scary movie and, 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 you know, you're going, no, no, don't go in the house. And then, you know, the actors are going in the house and you're like, no, no, not the basement. And you're, you're just, your tension is getting up and, and raising and raising and raising. And then the phone rings and you just fly through the roof. Now the phone could ring all day long and you don't really care. But at that moment, your tension, your adrenaline was rising and piling up 
and piling up. And that one little last trigger just set you over the top. Well, if you see your horse jumping at things and they seem kind of calm on the outside, I am the type that I read that as trigger stacking. They've Something has them reacting to little stimuli that really shouldn't be that big a deal. So if you have your horse eating up next to you, but they're kind of jumpy and snatchy, they're over, they're over threshold, push it away a bit until they can really eat next to you and they don't really care. When that can happen, the next thing I do is I tend to pull that bowl, you know, it's a lot of times it's those big rubber flat bowls. I'll pull it into my lap. So what's going to happen is then as they're eating out of my lap, the next thing I do, then I have my hands around the bowl. And then, so now they're eating with kind of in your presence and they don't really care. The next thing I do is I will have my hand at the bottom of that bucket on the bottom and the food is on top, whether it's hay, pellets, whatever it is, and let them eat down to my hand. And so now they're actually eating out of my hand because my hand's on the bottom. And then after a bit, when that doesn't seem like a big deal, I start raising my hand with food in it till they're taking food from my hand. And when that's going well, and sometimes, like I said, this is quick, sometimes it's slow, but you really need to go at their pace. When that's going well, the next thing I do is I start to stand. And can I offer them food from my hand while I'm standing or maybe squatting first, then standing. If they take it from my hand, I walk a few feet away calmly. And then if they take it from my hand, I walk a few feet away. A lot of times what happens is I'll stop for a minute and look at you and be like, ooh, I don't know, you moved. But then in a bit, they're like, okay, here I come. And I, I reinforce that. I'm not even worrying about clicker at this point. I'm simply worrying about trying to classically condition and build up their confidence. And now as we start moving, we're walking away, which one, gives them control over their environment. But two, it also... It is negative reinforcement in a way because you think about it. If we're an aversive presence, something that they're worried about, if they take food, they can make the human go away. And this kind of gives them control over their environment or over the aversive thing. And control is so, so reinforcing for everything. So letting them have that control is actually quite important. So as they do that, when they will follow readily with me, when I walk away, they match me and they walk right with me. Now I know we're trying, we're ready to start the actual clicker. And then I go into the clicker training back to episodes one and two and the target training. So, and, and at first the clicker may be disturbing. So what I do is I muffle that clicker. I have it tight in my hand and usually in a pocket or behind my leg, kind of like up against my butt cheek. <laughs> so I muffle it as much as I can. So it's quiet as sound as I get used to that. And I uh, kind of unfurl it a little bit more, a little bit more until they, they get the clicker and they're, they like the clicker. And then as we start with a target with this type of horse, anticipate that something in your hand is going to be frightening. So what I have a tendency to do is I will set the target on the ground and I go back right next to me and I go back to sitting on the ground. So that they kind of, now they're eating in the presence of me and this thing, but it's not in my hand. It's just sitting there. And if that goes okay, I start to point to it. If they ever sniff it or even make eye contact towards it, like they look in its direction, I click and reinforce that. And I build that up till I can actually hold the target in my hand on the ground and then slowly raise that target little by little by little till I can hold it standing and then off to either side. 
And so once we have the clicker and the target, and then till they'll follow the target, touch the target. And by this point, you have built up a heck of a lot of classic conditioning. Now they they don't look at you as aversive anymore. They think the clicker is a good thing that has now become a classically conditioned conditioned reinforcer. I mean, it becomes a conditioned reinforcer. And in the classically conditioned, the classic conditioning, we become conditioned reinforcers. Then the target becomes a conditioned reinforcer. So now you have all these elements that bring them clarity, bring them comfort, that makes them feel endorphins and dopamines and good things. This is a point we can begin to start working on things like touching them and and whatnot. But 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 before anything, be sure that we have classically conditioned um, ourselves. Getting to the t- touchability of a horse could probably be a whole nother episode. Um, so I'm not going to go into all that today. Maybe we'll touch it again in a couple episodes. So if you are having issues with an untouchable or an abused horse, how do you get past this initial point? But this would be the place to start until you are non-aversive. Now we have something to work with. So I hope that kind of gives you some, some food for thought. And I cannot stress enough. You just take the time it takes until they really show that they're under threshold. Their eyes are soft. Their jaws soft. Their, their neck is soft. Their head position soft. Their tail isn't swishing. You know, all of those things are things that are really important, uh, parts of it. And of course you're going to want to use some food for that. So finding a good food that works for them, of course, is really important, especially if you've had one that has been starved. So you want to find something that's not, you know, that's not going to be bad for their, their system and their digestive system or get them to, you want to find a nice, sensible, healthy food for them. And uh, again, I really stand by that Cavalier feed. They really are good product and they have great treats that are also low in sugar and excellent, um, excellent for all of that. (laughs) Okay. So what we're going to do, I want you to go ahead and take a moment and get yourself prepared for the next part. And if you have an untouchable, that horse is probably already where they're going to be. You shouldn't be handling or even trying to handle and do stuff to this horse if you can help it. Sometimes emergencies come in and we have to do stuff to help them. You know, we there's a time we have to intervene. You know, a horse has ridiculously bad elven shaped feet and they need to be dealt with as soon as possible. Do whatever you can to make that as minimal of an intrusion as possible and know that you may have setbacks from that. But if you can put that off, please try to be patient. And if they're health, if it isn't a huge health risk, try to see if you can't put those off until you can build up some other pieces. But anyway, so you're going to get ready to go visit your horse where they are. So you're going to get some food, get some good food that they can eat and is healthy for them and that you think they would like. Now, there is a time if I have a horse who is, uh, you know, pretty marginal, I might step up to a little bit higher value food just to kind of help be a little bit more enticing. Um, later we may shift to a lower value food, but you can utilize that kind of thing and find out what it is that they may eat. It could be that offering a different food also 
brings up a lot of suspicion for a really suspicious horse. So if they're just eating hay nicely, you just start with hay and something that you can use for feed time. And then maybe later as you get to the hand feeding, you might move to something a little bit more enticing. But anyway, so go get ready, get yourself some hay, get yourself a bucket. You may need to get yourself a little string for that bucket and figure out whether you're going to be inside or outside, but turn off your podcast, get all ready, get set in your place, turn it back on. And we're going to walk through this a little bit. Okay. See you in a bit. All righty. So what I have is a little horse named Pooh, and Pooh is very, very fearful. And to the but, but so fearful. Not she's not one of the. I don't know exactly what caused her fear. So it doesn't really matter what caused it. I don't know the history. A lot of times you don't get honest histories, and that's just how it is. But what I do know is what I see, and I see a horse who is terrified. If people one two anybody goes in there she tends she goes the other ends and stands far away as she possibly can so for this moment in time i've taken the other little horses out of here because i need i'll just be mobbed by the other horses that is something you might use in other situations but i needed to take them out for this little bit so she learns to eat on her own she is I have done this a little bit, to be honest with you. So she will eat a little bit um, with the others in here. But now with the others out, I don't know exactly what we're going to get. So I also know that she is quite a, um, she's one that's going to run. She's not one that's going to kick me in the head and run. And so I'm going to sit on the ground with her. I have a tub full of, um, I have some hay. I got some and I broke it up a little bit so it makes a little bit shorter chewing. And so I broke up the hay, but I have the hay there. And I also have some hay pellets, which I know she likes, some alfalfa pellets at the bottom so that as she gets down to the bottom, she gets a little bit higher value reward for this. So I have noticed that if I, okay, well, I'm just gonna just double check where we are today because where we were yesterday doesn't where mean where we are today. So. I've stepped inside at the gate now and she is over along the fence and she is, you know, clearly kind of worried. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna set the food right here in the middle. This is probably about 25 meters by 25 meters or you know, 75 feet by 75 feet. So it's kind of a bigger area. So she has some choice. But I'm going to see, try by putting the food in the middle and see if she'll come to that. I'm going to go sit in a corner though. So I'm going to go sit it, it over here. So I set it down and she's just kind of looking at me, looking at the food. But I'm, I'm walking over here to the corner and I'm going to sit on the ground. And so I'm sitting and I do tend to sit Indian style and I'm going to take a deep breath. I want to be sure that my shoulders are soft, my expression is soft, and I'm not looking directly at her like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'm kind of watching her from the side of my eyes a bit. So I know what she's doing and I can follow it, but she doesn't feel like I'm staring her down and intense on her. So I've sat down. I take a deep breath. So everything about me says, I have no intention. I'm just completely relaxed and I don't care about anything at all. Now, for some horses, this may take an hour 
You may sit here for a long time waiting for that horse to do anything. And in this case, she's kind of going, excuse me. And I picked somebody that I didn't think was going to be so hard. We don't have anybody here. It's going to be so hard that we're not going to get to them. But we're going to sit down and she's kind of, she's walking back and forth along the fence a little bit. And kind of, if I watch this, I feel like she's a little conflicted. She wants to go eat the food, but she's a little bit worried about so I'm going to wait her out just a little bit and kind of see what she does. Okay, and she's kind of, she's walked off to the further, I'm kind of in one corner. She kind of walked off to the other corner, but she's kind of facing the bowl now. I have no clicking, no feeding, none of that's going on from me. I'm just waiting for her to get closer to it. Okay, and now... Now she's back to walking the fence a bit. Okay, what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna put the food like 10 feet closer. So I'm gonna get up very slowly and I'm gonna walk over, kind of sidling over a little bit. So I'm walking, but not directly at her. I'm kind of zigzagging back and forth a little bit, but calm and quiet and relaxed. And I'm gonna kind of with my foot, push that back over a bit. Okay, so I pushed it a little bit closer to the fence, and now I'm going back to my corner. Okay, so I'm sitting back down. Okay, she's kind of look. she's sniffing directly at it now. Okay, good. And now she's kind of taken, she's taken a little bite from the bowl and backed up a little bit, but at least she took the, the bite. And I don't know what she thinks going to happen, but she thinks something is because <laughs> her expression was like, you know, I'm going to lurch out from the corner. So I'm just going to continue to sit here till she learns that I'm not doing anything. You can just eat. Okay, good. And she's kind of going back up for another apprehensive little bite. Good. Okay. And so she took another bite and this time she didn't back up quite as far, but she still did back up and she's chewing. And there's hay in there, so it takes a little bit of extra time. It's kind of like watching paint dry, you guys. <laughs> and you know what you can do? You can bring a book. You can bring your phone and, you know, play a game while you're just trying to, one, feel like you're not getting too focused on the horse, but still can keep an eye on it. And a lot of times when our attention really goes somewhere else, they can tell that. So I try to mimic that as much as I can, but sometimes actually doing it, if it's gonna take a while, is a great way to go, and you can make a habit out of this. Okay, so now she's taking another bite, but staying by the bowl. She's looking at me really, really intently. You know, she's eating and staring at me, you know, waiting for me to do something, but she's staying by the bowl. And she's eating a little bit fast right now which may be a little bit of nervous energy she's kind of like munching fast which you know again well faster than what i've normally see her eat okay so now she's eating again so now she's staying by the bowl and she's eating so she's just staying and that's a good thing that's perfect so I don't have much to do but observe at this point, really. But I'm just going to share what I'm observing and what I'm seeing. So one of the things, the first thing you notice that I did 
did is I kind of thought, no, she's too far over threshold to be able to eat comfortable. At this point, I feel like she's eating more comfortable and she's slowed down her eating a little bit more and she's not staring at me quite as much. I mean, like she would take a bite and her head was high staring at me. Now she's not taking her eye off of me, but she's not, you know, she's not snatching it and looking like, you know, she's sure I'm going to lunge at her. So is there a clear she's getting more comfortable? But that food is a long way away from me. Okay, so she's still eating. Okay, she walks kind of back to the fence, but I'm not sure that that's nervousness as much as maybe just kind of checking things out. Okay, and then she went back and she's eating again. So that's great. Okay, and she's she's getting through her hay. What I did, I didn't put a giant amount in there because what I want to do is do it in repetitions. So it looks like she's kind of getting through the hayish part or she's getting more interested in the, the pellets. She's kind of reached the pellets a bit. So she's eating those and I'm not moving at all. But what I would do after a bit, I have to figure out where can I put the food that she's comfortable and let her eat at that place. And I can stay there and let her eat there for a while. So you can do this every day for a week. And I, I'm sure that you're going to see her just be like, yep, here comes a human, here comes the bowl, I go eat without having any of that apprehension. And ideally what I want to do is stick at that place before moving to the next place. So I want to see that she's truly comfortable there before I move on to to doing anything else. So I wouldn't move the bowl closer until she's really good at eating right where it is. So at this point, she is looking pretty good about eating from the bowl where she is. So this is going to be a short one today, but I'm going to just let her finish her food. I'm actually going to kind of crawl out of here. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm actually going to go and she's still eating. I'm going to stand very slowly. Okay, and her head's kind of watching me a bit. She stopped chewing. There's food in her mouth, I can tell. But she stopped chewing. Okay. So I froze for a bit. Okay, and she's back to chewing. Okay, I'm going to kind of walk along this fence and leave. So I'm going out the gate right now. So I'm going to let her uh, finish this for just a second. And I'm going to see if when she's done with it, if she doesn't leave that bowl. But I wanted her to know with her eating in here, I actually stepped away. Okay. So I'm going to go get a bucket with, um, I have a bucket. I'm going to go get more feed and a little bit more hay. And it's hay pellets and, and hay. So I'm going go to go get a couple more. And I had some set in a bucket. So I'm putting them back together in one bucket. Okay, so she, I can see she's finishing up the bit I put in there. So what I'm going to do, okay, she's wandering away from the bowl. So that's good. That's what I wanted her to do. Because if she didn't wander away from the bowl, I wasn't going to go disturb her from the bowl and go get it. But since she's wandered away from the bowl, I'm going to kind of nonchalantly try to go get that bowl, pull it five feet closer, and fill it again. So it's not filling it, but but refill, you know, put more in there and then go sit down again. 
Okay, so I'm back in. She's kind of scooching further away, naturally. Okay, good. So now I refilled this bucket here. So she has a little recharge. Well, now she knows what to expect from this. So I have pulled it about five feet closer. And now I'm going to go sit down over in the corner. Okay, she, she, you see she watched me. She's watching me walk over. And I sat down. Good. And she's heading pretty much right up to it. I mean, not super bold. She's still got a really good eye on me. But it's not the kind of pacing back and forth first. She kind of went up and she is taking her food. And she's watching me again. She is back to kind of having a little extra intent on watching me. But she is still eating. So that's great. So I'm letting her eat. And she's much more quickly looking more comfortable. Again, I've kept it at that threshold where I think it's a place where she can deal with it. If I brought it too close, it would be too much more conflict. It makes it all too tense, all too aversive. I put it in a place where I thought, where can you do this? Where it's just on the edge of too much, but not so much that it's, you know, terrifying. Just enough that it's extra alert. So I feel like this time she's eating better. Now, she's not one of my more extreme cases. You know, I've worked ones that you're like, oh, golly, no, I have to be really far away. But she's doing pretty good with this. Okay, so I'm going to leave it there. So I'm going to walk out of here again. I'm going to leave her with the food. What's left of it, because it's not a ton. I mean, I didn't put tons and tons in there. But I'm going to leave and let her finish eating, eating the hay and the stuff. So... I'm kind of walking back out again nonchalantly kind of relaxed not looking too fast or too swift or too and not going in her direction I'm staying right along my edge of the fence so I'm staying as far away from her as I can and there I got myself back out okay so now I am back out of the she's still watching me though so now I'm out of the the area and she's just in there eating Okay, so that's perfect. So this is all we're going to do for today. This is all I'm going to do with her for today. So what I want you to do is to uh, go ahead and tidy up what you need to tidy up. If you want to leave the bowl in, you can. If you need to stay for a little bit longer, you can. But when you feel like you're in a good place, remember you don't want to push it. We want it to stay just at threshold, not going over threshold. And going over threshold is, is tiny things sometimes. Walking away from her bowl, even calmly, is actually over threshold. So I, we want to, when you're ready, get back to me. We'll finish up what you're doing. Get your stuff put away. Your horse, I'm sure, is staying right where they are. And you can, if you need to bring the bucket in, you can do that. But wait till your horse leaves it. So you're not scaring them while they're at the bucket. You want to wait till they're not really part of that and they're done eating that you can go, you can go get it. Now, if they keep staying by the bucket and you need, you feel like I want you to go away from the bucket so I can go safely get it without terrifying you now that we've just had this little bit of progress, take a little bit of hay and put it in a further corner so she can go eat that hay while you can go from the outside, I'd put it in the corner, and then you can go in from the other side and go get the bucket. But anyway, so tidy up. Once you're all done, you come meet me back here. 
here. We'll talk about a little wrap up and we'll get some homework for the next couple weeks. See you in a bit. Now, in that little piece, we were actually utilizing food. And it's really important that we find food that they like, but it's also important that we find food that's good for them. There's a lot of behavior troubles that can be caused by not great feed choices. So let's learn a little bit more about Cavalier Feed and some of the choices we can make. As we progress through the clicker training exercises, we talk about feeding the horse each time you use the clicker. Sometimes, most of the time I use feed, but sometimes I use treats. And I love the Cavalier feed and the Cavalier treats because they use the highest quality ingredients. I can feed a lot of it and I know it's healthy and a safe alternative to the highly processed feeds. So I think it's important that we can feel really comfortable about feeding a lot of the feed without thinking we're loading them down with sugar. And that's what you get with Cavalier. With the Cavalier feeds, you can also actually see the ingredients. So it looks like a cereal you and I would eat. And in fact, I've tasted it and it's pretty good. <laughs> Okie dokie now. This is, so that is, that is not the most exciting and a lot of times not the most, um, I mean, it's really exciting when your heart is in this, when you see that little horse eat next to you and be okay, man, that just makes a world of difference because you know, that little horse isn't as terrified of the world that they live in thinking, oh crud, here comes the human at feeding time. But, but it is, so to me, it is near and dear to my heart, but it is a very slow and, and patient and thoughtful process. So what I want you to do, you guys are going to be all over the map for where your horses were with this. So, the gal I was with isn't, isn't going to be quite as hard as some of them. Some of them I have had to just wait and wait and wait and wait. So really be patient, really pay attention to the threshold, noticing when, do, you know, when their eyes get big and their jaw gets tight and their little chin gets pointy and their lips get pointy and their nose nostrils get flared, their heads up, their tails ringing. All of that gives you a clue that something's going on there. And also remember, sometimes over threshold can look rather blasé. So there are horses that they'll deal with their fear by just going to the back and eating grain off the ground. And that looks like, well, no, she doesn't look like she cares. Well, sometimes that's how they show that I'm not very comfortable there. I, I would just go over here and eat this where I can't really get stuff rather than be up there. So just be really sensitive to the horse at this process and it'd be better to go too slow than too fast. So as you're going and getting better, keep pulling that just a little bit closer and a little bit closer and a little bit closer, being sure that they end comfortable at the stage before. If you have a horse who pulls that um, away, you can use something like the bailing twine where you can keep the bowl in place and eventually bring it a little bit closer. Just be safe about bailing twine, of course, because you know, you, they can get wrapped up in it if they have a wrong movement or something. So just, you know, be safe about all that. But it, it, that is another plan that you, you could do. So I want you to just keep monitoring where your horse is. And sometimes what really helps is to write this down. Because sometimes it can seem so gradual that you forget how bad it was, you know, so to remember how bad, it, how far you have come, sometimes writing these things down really helps. But for those of you that are out there and have a heart for helping these rescues, 
these untouchable and abused horses. I am so thankful and so appreciative for your patience and your kindness. And remember, just because we we can put them into learned helplessness rather quickly, where we can make them do what we want, but that's but inside they can be just as internally worried as ever. So we want to be sure that we really are starting to unpack their emotions and letting them choose to come to us. When we do these things at, at Liberty and we don't push them, we don't make them do things, we don't chase them, we don't displace them, we don't, you know, do any of that. They get to show us their really honest feelings. How do you feel about this? So if they're not comfortable, they will not come over. When they are comfortable, they will come over. It couldn't be more black and white. So really kind of go slow. There's also one more caveat I'm going to mention to you. There are certain horses as they get closer They'll start to try so hard that they'll take themselves over threshold. So if you see that trigger stacking, like they're up there and they're eating from your hand, but they're jumping every now and then, realize that maybe they are trying a little beyond their comfort level, back up a little further, let them build and have more time at the step before that step. And, and you're always trying to keep them in place. And remember their feel is their fear is real. It is their reality. And it's really important that we are empathetic and compassionate to them and help them adjust to the world we chose for them. And we'll, we can work more on the other stuff later, but this is really a good start anyway. So, Kudos to you guys out there who are taking this on and really listening and wanting to do it. And again, I have worked with, I have worked with lots of rescues and lots of feral horses and very, very aggressive horses. And all of this can be addressed with a little patience and a little time. And if you need help, don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, anyway, so for, so that's your homework. Okay. So keep track of that. And if you want to listen to this again, or if you want to go back and listen to some of the earlier episodes, which can really be helpful in here, um, you can listen on most of your favorite podcast players. You can also listen on the Horse Radio Network app, which is super easy to use and convenient. And you can get that on your iPod or iOS device or on your Android. Um, just search Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and, of course, easy to use. And be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. There, I've been part of these, working with these guys for years. There's a lot of fun stuff on there, really valuable information. So have a look around. I bet you're going to find some other things you really like if you haven't done it already. And of course, there is, uh, you can go to my website if you want to learn more about me or where I am, or you can go to www.on-target-training.com. And I have, uh, we've got something in the works to hopefully have more support coming in the very near future. So if you need more support or want to do more, we can do more. Anyway, meantime, you can go to my website, go to Horse Radio Network website and uh until then you enjoy getting your horse on target talk to you soon mm -hmm.